giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. My name is Ben, and I'm here today with my good buddy, Derek Reimer. Hey, Derek. Hey, Ben. How's it going? Good. How are you? I am good. Do you know what's funny? Do you remember how last week I ranted about how people are, like, when people complain about being so busy at work? Uh Uh-huh. I am so busy at work. (laughs) (laughs) Do tell. What's going on? Um, So the Ruby Tapas Upcase promotion that I've been talking about uh, Uh launches on Monday. We're recording Mm -hmm. on Friday, so it launches after this weekend. Okay. And like any optimistic developer, I set a deadline ahead of time and then started writing the code for a thing. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fine, but I have I have time pressure. Yeah, people have to be able to buy the thing on Monday. Ah, got it. And we're pretty close to that point, but not quite there yet. So it's interesting. It's it's I am busy, but it's more like I have a priority that is so high, nothing else can happen. Is mm. kind of what it is, except for right. recording this podcast. This is the right. only other thing I'm doing today, <laughs> um, which I almost didn't do. Yeah. But um, I like talking to you, so I figured let's do it anyway. Cool. How much custom work is involved with this? Is it like a full custom checkout flow? or? Um, so I'm using Stripe checkout for the, the credit card bit. Okay. Um, so, so not much. I mean, it's basically, I do want to talk about um, some lessons learned that I have already from this process. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I'm really glad we did was include a checkbox on the form for whether or not you manage other developers. Mm-hmm. Because there's a whole, we're doing a whole separate flow for those people. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't worked perfectly because some people do manage developers but only want to buy it for themselves. And so there's been some con- a little bit of confusion around that. But the nice thing is I know on our like launch list who potentially is interested in team plans. Yeah. So there are two pages, uh, one for teams and one for individuals. Each one has two tiers. So you have to be able to buy the thing for each of those those tiers. Uh-huh. Now, one nice thing is that we're, we're sort of se- separating purchasing from fulfillment. So I'm just going to, we're going to charge people and then manually ish go and and fulfill it after the fact got it so i don't have to do like a full like okay and then we're gonna hit you know uh any like a web hook or we're gonna hit an an endpoint over on ruby tapas and give them a this and then like we're we're gonna figure that all out a little bit after yeah but yeah that's kind of where it's at cool little uh little segmentation is is always good for for that kind of stuff right the checkbox will kind of get you that being able to at least bucket people into two buckets so yeah exactly yeah, and I I think that's going to work out well for us because like it's just a lot it's a lot easier to write the copy on the, the landing pages and in this the campaign I'm sending people mm-hmm. and all that and I almost wish in, in retrospect I had sort of A B tested this but my guess is that it's going to increase the amount of team plans we sell by quite a bit mm-hmm. because we're we're preparing people for that idea mm-hmm. as opposed to just or it's it's just kind of like this is what you've seen if you're on the team sequence it's like we we sell great team plans you probably want to sign up your team here's why here's some great reasons. Here is something you might want to say to your CEO or whatever about how you want to spend these training dollars. Like, right. I, my guess is that we'll sell more than if we hadn't. Oh, I can't prove it. Mm-hmm. So that goes live on what day? Monday, the 30th, January 30th. All right. So yeah. So by the time you hear this, uh, I think it will have been over. Or, or actually, it's going to end February 6th, which I think mm-hmm. actually is when this re- episode goes out. Okay. So if you're hearing this, this is your last chance. <laughs> speaking into the future mm-hmm. i like it yeah cool your uh your parent company by the way released an episode of the conversion cast which is a nice podcast about what you'd expect yeah uh, around doing promotions like this and so i stole some ideas oh nice yeah i still yeah. need to still need to listen to that but i've been hearing many good things so yeah it's 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 really good i recommend cool. it awesome yeah so uh other lessons learned from that as long as we're on the topic 
a couple things I wish I had done a little differently. Uh, one is that Avdi and I came up with some extras to add to like the upper tiers. Mm-hmm. So like the base tier being you get a year of Ruby Tapas, you get a, re- a year of Upcase. And then if people are love our stuff and want more, what do we do? Um, and so we came up with some things. And I think, some of the, I think the things we added are, are good. But I wish in retrospect I had emailed folks and had them do some sort like a sort of ranked choice uh-huh. uh, kind of thing. Like just throw out like 10 ideas and say like drag these into order of how interesting they are for you or, or something like that. Some sort of asking people, I think we would have ended up with a better result. Mm-hmm. Like, like always. Yeah. Generally good. Like the more data you have, the better you are <laughs> mm-hmm. on those types of decisions. Yeah. Yeah. My, my impression is that no one has like come back and like, oh my God, this particular thing in the upper tier sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know if we've, I don't, I'm not sure we did a great job of, of making the upper tiers as enticing as they could be mm-hmm. if we had done a little more. Yeah. So people sign up to the to the list and they're receiving a drip campaign of sorts about what the offer is. Is that right? So there's yep. like a base package and then and then there's like other options they can select that are more expensive and yes. include these extras. Is that yep. kind of the gist yep. of it? Yeah. Okay. So are you seeing less engagement with people choosing those? Uh, is that how you know that it could have been more successful or no, it's, it's just, it's just based on people's responses. Okay. okay. Um, cause a lot of people are emailing me back and saying, Oh, this is cool or that's cool or, or this doesn't work for me or things like that. Got um, it. but I haven't seen like no one has specifically said, Oh, this thing seems great. I, I, I'm enticed by this, whatever. Um, so I just have a sense. It's just a sort of intuition that we could, we kind of whiffed a little bit on those perhaps. I see. I see. But we'll see. Maybe there's a silent majority that's excited about it. Yeah, sometimes launch days will surprise you and you'll... <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious to see how it goes because what I'm learning is that, A, there are so many edge cases. Mm-hmm. So like in my mind, like planning this with Avdi was like, this is going to be so simple. Like I can see the whole thing in my head and it's going to take us a few days and it'll be a great experiment, which is how mm-hmm. I, I, I pitched it to him. I was like, I think this will be a cool experiment. We'll learn a lot of stuff from it and we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. It's like quickly become a multi-week project that I'm working on it and I have a designer working on it and like it's, 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 it's become a big thing. <laughs> and like subscription billing so it's like okay what if i have an existing monthly plan on upcase and an existing annual plan on ruby tapas that was grandfathered into the old price what happens then uh, and i'm getting all these emails and it's like oh my god and so i keep updating the drip sequence to be like okay this edge case is like, like we have like an faq section on, uh, in one of the emails yeah and i keep updating with all these things and people just keep finding these new interesting scenarios to ask me about. <laughs> and then it's like, and then like people are like negotiating, which is like, well, you know, like I got this thing and I got that thing. And so I had this discount over there. So what if we did like 80% of the thing you're asking for that one? And if I signed up for another developer and I just started replying to people like, that's reasonable, but I literally just don't have time to do this. Like, yeah, I wish I could offer you that, but we have to do like what's going to work for most people because this is, we're trying to do this, you know, kind of quickly. Right. So it's existing customers who are wanting, they're wanting to take advantage of the discount. Is that what's that's, going on? Yeah, that's, that's what's making it complicated. Like a, 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 Avdi kind of wanted to not offer it to existing subscribers. I wanted, I, I did, and I did want to because I'm happy to turn a, a monthly person into an annual person. Sure. Yeah. Like that sounds great. I hope a ton of people do that, mm-hmm. uh, but it is creating these kind of complicated scenarios. Mm, yeah, I can see that. That's one thing. And the other is that I've done this in the past. I, I just sort of didn't think to do it this time around doing a partial send of things to people before blasting it out to everyone mm-hmm. would have been smart. Mm. When I sent the team emails, I sent it to like all the team people. Like when I like got the offer together, I was like, okay, we reviewed it a bunch of times. It looks good. I'm going to send it to all these people. And um, questions came back like immediately, like a very consistent set of questions showed up. 
And so uh-huh. it's like, okay, if I just sent this to like 10% of people, I think I would have gotten these questions and I could have rolled them back in and then sent the full thing. Yeah. So an approach I did know about, but should have done in retrospect. Yeah. It's, it's hard to know if you're actually going to hear anything back. I mean, a lot of times you, you know, email people about a promotion and you don't really hear much, but I guess in the off chance that there are a bunch of lots of confusion, it's probably a good idea to, to do a little test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the lead pages podcast about promotions like this, they brought on someone who was like the head of promotions. And when I first heard that, I was like, what could this person do with all their time exactly? <laughs> um, right. But I'm starting to realize this can definitely be very time consuming. Yeah. Um, and also she brought up the, a great point, which is that under the lead pages definition, like a promotion isn't necessarily like a, a discount or a sale like this. It's anything worth talking about that you kind of want to get some buzz about. Like, yeah. hey, we just partnered with this person to offer this thing. We just had a new feature launch, like a major new feature, like we're launching a new whatever. It's interesting. Like, And seeing, like I would say we've been like fairly successful at getting people interested in this thing we're doing. So we have like 3,200 people on the launch list as of right now. Nice. Um, which is nice. And 800 of those people are on the team variant, mm-hmm. which is cool. And so if you have the person and can spend the time, you can get a pretty substantial group of people interested in the thing you're doing, Yeah, which seems pretty worth it, actually. Yeah, no, that's cool. It definitely seems like when you originally told me, it did not seem like that huge of a of a project. Like it just seemed like, oh, yeah, I'll just do a joint mailing and right. super easy. But oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm probably overcomplicating it. I mean, just out of inexperience. For instance, like the offering to existing customers was a large complexity thing we could have dodged if I had thought about it more, maybe. But yeah, but it's typical. Sounds sounds easy. Sure. Yep. Well, I'll be curious to see the uh, see the results. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'll definitely talk about them. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy to share all the numbers. Cool. So we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's the weekend before. We got 3,200 people, 800 team people, and the rest are individuals. And we'll see how mm-hmm. that breaks down. Awesome. That's basically, <laughs> that's what's on my mind. That's on your mind. Yeah, cool. Yeah. What's on your mind? A um, few small things to throw in there and, and what's going on in Dripland. So in this past week, we have continued rolling out more UI updates in the, the Drip interface. I've noticed. It's pretty, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's like our first time we've actually done any major overhaul of design within the, the product. So mm-hmm. we came to the realization that it was time to start doing this when we realized that our existing design was starting to hold us back. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think I've discovered like when the right time is to do it because I've always, I mean, you see design trends change over time and, you know, maybe the app starts to look a little bit outdated, but I've always been searching for like, what's the actual you know, business motivation to spend the time to start putting a new coat of paint on the app. And this became especially apparent after hiring our full-time designer on the team when, you know, he started working on wireframes for this and that and trying to use existing patterns as much as possible. And we realized, like, this is not working, you know. Um, what about it wasn't working? Well, it's it's like, uh, for example, we were working on a, a new settings page for webhooks. So, you know, we have some existing form patterns in place. The kind of the typical pattern we use on a settings page is like a two column layout where you have just kind of things organized in boxes with headings. And uh, that design pattern we were never totally happy with. You know, we were feeling like we should really streamline that a bit. And so when we when he was trying to build out the interface using those patterns, it just it didn't look great and it didn't flow very well. And we were feeling like, okay, this is the time when we should we should introduce a new form pattern, but we don't want this one page to be like sticking out like a sore thumb and not Mm. matching the rest of it. So it was kind of from that, like he started building out like, well, what if we designed our form this way and it looked significantly better? 
and that's kind of pushed us into starting to apply that in in more places so gotcha nice yeah it, it feels like a like sort of like just in time refactoring equivalent yeah. for design yep we're like the, the change is painful so change it so the change isn't so painful exactly yeah he had wireframes for the entire app pretty much that could have you know design patterns for forms and for the top navigation and for our sub navigation and so we've kind of taken the approach of of working top down so we just started with like just redesigning the top bar and then mm. go one layer below that and you know maybe start introducing new button styles and new heading styles and replacing some of our tabs with like an updated tab style mm-hmm. and now we're now we're gradually working our way down so feels good to get that in there it definitely feels more modern and we haven't just stood still for for a month doing this redesign we've kind of like been gradually working it in yeah that's the best so, yeah very cool i always find it so gratifying to work on projects with designers mm-hmm. as, as things just like kind of like subtly improve visually and hierarchically yeah. and things like that yeah i, I love pull, like pulling from master and then reloading the page it's like oh this looks <laughs> a lot better now yep i dig that yeah, a lot i yeah i totally agree is this the first time you've had a full-time designer yes interesting did you do a lot of part-time design before that or was it mostly kind of you making it work it was mostly just me that's amazing i gotta say <laughs> yeah we we're, were pretty scrappy there for, yeah but for but i mean years. like it's interesting that you could go so long without it and it looks good it doesn't look like a developer designed the app yeah i enjoyed kind of splitting my time between visual ui stuff and and back-end stuff it kind of mm-hmm. It uh, keeps me motivated when I can feel like I'm impacting the user experience, but also kind of the underlying back end on it. So, yeah. Well, well done. Yeah. Thank you. So that's going. And then we also have a couple of job postings uh, live right now, mm. kind of to, to build out the team. So we're looking for a senior JavaScript engineer and a senior Rails engineer to join the core product team. So mm. those, will, those will be good positions to fill. Is the bulk of the JavaScript in the workflow? thing yeah that's going to be the emphasis i mean we're really looking for someone to kind of take ownership of the whole application javascript code base in general Mm -hmm. because that's kind of just been you know all the developers kind of touch that but no one's really kind of taking ownership of it and making sure we're staying up with the latest patterns and everything like that Mm -hmm. so yeah and workflow stuff there's a bunch of issues in the pipeline for that just kind of smoothing out the way it operates and adding some drag and drop reordering for example Mm -hmm. into the interface and so our workflow stuff is kind of maintained in a separate repository outside of our our main application code base and it we have Mm -hmm. like test coverage in there and kind of a module loading system so it's all kind of factored out like a real code base so huh the workflow stuff is a separate app it's a separate code base like we treat it as a library so you pass okay. in like a, a blob of data that defines a workflow and it spits out svg um, ah, okay. that's basically how it works nice so you want to rewrite that bit in elm <laughs> no rewrites no rewrites <laughs> okay fine <laughs> yeah so yeah and then the rails rails engineer just you know another person to join the product team and work on cool interesting front-end features how many people is it right now developer-wise uh, there's six of us. And then a designer? Yeah. Well, um, do we include the designer in the six? Let's see. I think he's included in the six. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So You're getting to that can't be fed with two large pizzas number mm-hmm. where communication starts to get harder by a lot, yeah. apparently. I've heard. Yeah. I think that's where the team structure that I kind of talked about last week is really going to help with that. Cool. Well, that's exciting. Are you? Do you take part in the hiring much? 
Yeah. So generally what, what we do is, is have like a hiring team, the recruiting team at lead pages kind of does initial screening of mm-hmm. applicants. And then generally Rob will kind of do a, a call with anyone who makes it past the initial screen. Mm-hmm. And if they pass that stage, then they'll come into the office and we'll kind of do more of a technical deep dive interview. And mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of the stage where I get involved in it. Yeah. How do you technically interview people? Really just a, I mean, it starts out with a list of questions where we kind of learn about what their past experiences have been, what tech stacks they're familiar with. We kind of talk about what's important to them when they're reviewing other people's code, talk about their testing experience and their testing philosophies and do they practice TDD and just kind of those high level questions mm-hmm. and just kind of get them talking and see what areas they get excited about and what areas they are lacking in. And that kind of helps us suss out what their experience is and whether they're a good fit for the team. Mm-hmm. And then from there, if that passes, then we'll sometimes do a test project of sorts. Um, definitely for de- when we were hiring, looking for designers, you know, we were giving them like a kind of a mock interface for the app and, and asking them to build out some kind of interface. I found it a little more difficult to come up with a really good test project for a backend developer just because mm-hmm. like, not going to throw them right into our main code base, you mm-hmm. know, during the interview phase, but something that kind of captures their experience scaling a Rails app. So, yeah. So, do you do um, like any whiteboard problem things or have them write code for you live at all, generally? Um, we have not done that so far, but um, good. Yeah. H- have you seen that done successfully? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a lousy way to interview people. I get, yeah. I get emails probably almost like every week from someone saying, can you recommend like how I get better at solving problems on a whiteboard for interviews? Hmm. And my answer is kind of like, don't (laughs) apply to companies that do that. Like it probably means like the the thing is, it's like, it's so common that I can't like, that's kind of like, that's a pretty flippant answer. Right. It it is sort of the reality of the situation that a lot of places will ask you to do that, even though it's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. But I would be wary of joining a company that thought that was a good interview process. Yeah. Like for reference at ThoughtBot, we do pairing interviews. Mm. So we do like a, an initial screen, like initial tech screen, kind of like you do, um, to make sure someone's at least at the right level ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when someone comes in for a visit, we will pair with them. We usually have two people pair with them each for like half a day, hmm. and we do dive in on the real code bases we're working on. It's like, yeah. okay, I'm working on this feature on this app. Let's work on it together. And it's the expectation, of course, is not that you are instantly super productive, but we find it's like it's very information rich to pair with right. somebody. Right. You, get, you can get a sense of their abilities, even though you need to account for nervousness and newness of the code base and that. I think you still get a pretty good picture. Mm-hmm. How many of the candidates make it through to that phase? Because it does sound time consuming. Like, it, Yeah. I guess potentially you're the developer on the team who's pairing with them could actually get real work done. But I'm assuming right. it's like yeah, yeah. a very small amount compared to their normal productivity. I, I don't know the exact numbers. My impression is it's not many people get to that phase. Yeah. I believe there are two separate, like, well, the sort of like first, does your application-ish thing look like we want to hire you potentially? Mm-hmm. Although these days, I think we've shut off the job form for like developers. I- I'm not 100% sure what the current status is, but we're finding that almost all our hires are referrals these days. Mm. Yeah. And so that's nice because we skip them a little bit further into the funnel. We don't need to do so much filtering. It's like, okay, this per- we know this person's pretty good based on this other person's assessment. Right. Maybe do a, a tech screen and then bring them in kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it is time consuming, but I think it actually used to be a lot more time consuming. Like when I interviewed, I think I did multiple days of pairing. Oh, wow. Like we used to ask people to come in, I think for almost a week and like pair with a bunch of people on the team before we would wow. make an offer to somebody. Do they pay you when you're yes. in that process? Yeah. Yeah. 
which is is good. I think that's legit. Yeah, we've always paid for test projects. I think for the most part. Yeah, I think it's a good policy. Yeah, it, it recognizes the value of someone's time. Sure, I think it starts the relationship off on a on a good note. Yep. But yeah, I did an interview despite not being interested at another company one time because mm-hmm. I was talking about their interview process, and they were like, "You should you should try it," and I was like, "All right, it's fine." Um, I was like, just so you know, like I'm not looking for a job. Uh, They had this weird thing where they would pay you a thousand dollars if you got an offer from them, like if you made it through the interview process. Wow, it was just like bait, basically. Like we'll pay you a thousand dollars if we make you an offer, even if you don't take the offer. And I was like, that's Mm. interesting. You should try it. I was like, well, but I'm not looking for a job. They're like, you should try it anyway. I was like, well, I'm just going to be trying to get your money. And they're like, that's fine. And so I went through it. And and in retrospect, the thousand dollars barely made it worth it because it was an all day thing where people would like two people would come in and we would like spend like two hours together and they'd be like all right here's your challenge we uh, basically like plugged in a laptop onto a into a monitor and they would say like all right here's the problem solve this thing mm-hmm. which is like i would say better than whiteboard coding by a lot mm-hmm. but still it was kind of like all right turn this binary number into a whatever it was like these like computer science brain teasery type things yeah like how many ones are in the binary representation of the first prime number after this one or something and i was like mm-hmm. okay fine you do you do a lot of this at this job a lot of prime number work <laughs> that's the thing like i yeah when i see the typical like computer sciencey programmer interviews it's like in a lot of ways that's what's expected of a of a technical interview and yet it's so far from what we're doing day to day like i couldn't imagine giving someone that kind of exercise and that being actually helpful in me evaluating whether they're going to be good on their day-to-day job you know yeah it's such a cargo culting thing honestly yeah I think people just decide like, oh, like this is how you do it. And then everyone else is doing it this way. We'll just keep doing this flawed approach. Mm-hmm. Not so good. Yeah. So I, our process is always a work in progress. And I'm sure I'll I'll learn some more things as we go through another round of, of hiring and <laughs> and all that. So I'll share yeah, here totally. whatever I learn. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Cool. I think that's it for me this week. Yeah, me too. It's been kind of a uneventful week just, just in the trenches. So... Maybe yeah, we'll have same. more next week. Well, definitely, yeah. I'll have a full week of the promotion results to talk about. Yeah, can't wait. Cool. It's always a pleasure. You too, man. And by the way, I've, I've been in Drip all week, and uh, it's a good app. I keep saying it, but it's true. It's, it never keep gets up the good work. that. <laughs> keep, keep up the good work. Music to my ears. Cool. Today's show was produced and edited by the dot Tom Crash Obarski. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm slash 226. Thanks for listening. Thank you.